Balancing Death Kirk is a weekly KeyForge podcast focused on competitive play. The podcast is hosted by Kita Mode and Kodamarin. The show is here for listeners to gain a better understanding of how to evaluate decks, how to evaluate their own board position, and how to anticipate opponents' decisions. Without further ado, here's this week's episode. Welcome to another episode of Balancing Death Kirk. I am Kira Mode. I'm here with Kodamarin. How's it going? And today we're going to be talking about testing efficiently in KeyForge. So this de- uh, this uh, the idea for this episode came around because I have a lot of people that come up to me, uh, sometimes in our Discord, sometimes in person. They say, hey, I've got this deck. Uh, is it good? Should I buy it? Should I play it? Should I take it to the Vault Tour? What do you think of it? And a lot of times the answer looks like my Cracker Pack, our Cracker Pack episodes, right? We talk about the cards. We look at what's in there. Um, but a lot of the times that doesn't really substitute for testing and playing a deck, right? And here we want to talk about specifically how to target uh, a deck for testing, how, how to look at a deck, uh, how to play it, how to play it as few times as possible and still get as much value out of it and make a decision on if you should buy it, if you should play it more, if you should bring it to a vault tour. Yeah, so um, I think the first thing to look at for a deck, right, like any deck, like whether you're looking to buy one online or whether you're looking at in your collection and you just want to get a, get get started to see if it does things you want is to just play it right uh, the deck should have a goal every deck should have some sort of game plan that you expect it to have um, so see does it do the things you want to do against just random decks yeah and this this is exactly where where cure mode and I start this is the crack a pack this is here's a deck here's the card it has a loot the bodies we think it's a racing deck we think it's a board state deck look at this main house mm-hmm. right your job when you first look at a deck is to make theories and ideas about the deck and if you're trying to test this deck efficiently what you should be looking for in your first couple of games your first handful of games is just does it do that is this sanctum house with six creatures enough to be a main house right yeah, I think a good example is like I, I, I remember I got a deck that had double Tesmo and a bunch of Robner guys and a bunch of Shadows kill spells. And the idea was like you use the kill spells to kill your opponent's board. You have two Tesmals and then you can try to lock someone into one house. And what I learned about the deck is the deck's actually not bad because it just has a bunch of guys and a bunch of ways to kill stuff, but it had no way to protect Tesmo and no way to activate it out of house. So the uh, to be able to actually have both on the board at the same time was fairly difficult so the deck just didn't do what i wanted it to do and the deck while still viable now that it doesn't do the thing i want it to do it just looks like a lot worse version of other decks i already have and now i'm no longer interested in it so like that that's really the step one you have to see if does the deck do the thing you're interested in yeah, and a lot. This is, uh, I think, most pertinent when you're trying to look at acquiring the deck. If if you already have it, then deciding whether or not to play it really gets into is this deck good, right? Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about that in a in a in a bit. But on the the subject of acquiring a deck, you want to be able to play this deck and see does it do the thing that it that I want it to do. And and the way I so- talk about this personally is, am I going to learn something from this deck? If I were to be playing that double Tesmal deck, I would learn oh. Tesmo locks are hard. It needs mm-hmm. this sort of support. And then I'm a smarter player. I get to do more things. And the next time I either see a double Tesmo deck come across or play against one, I know much more about it. Yeah, so the, the next layer above that is you say, okay, is this deck good? Right? 
because this is this is like sort of like the pressing question we get all the time is like is this deck good whether a deck you're playing or not and so the first thing i would say on whether or not i'm trying to figure out if your deck's good is don't look at the win-loss record uh that that is a very misleading thing for a lot of reasons not least of one of which is like who are you playing are you playing a bunch of potatoes online are you playing against trash to your decks are you getting lucky like the it could be any number of those things that are the reason you have wins not that the deck is actually good yeah the first step is almost certainly qualitative for me also uh, does the deck do the thing does it have a strategy can it pull it off and uh, if if and we're not trying to do 300 games in the Crucible, right? The Crucible mm-hmm. has that great tracker, but we're trying to get a, a 10-game maximum for should I uh, call this deck one, one of my roster, right? And if you're looking at a win-loss and it's, what, you're 6-4 you're and four with it, you're 8-2 and two with it, what does that even mean? You know, how close were they? Did you get lucky? Did you play against Potatoes? Uh, so I think that the best way to actually determine past, okay, I figured out this deck does a cool thing. It's got the double, t- I'm just going to stick with the Tesmol thing. It, yep. It's got the double Tesmols. It's got some uh, protectors. Um, it's doing that thing. I, I would take that up against big Voltor decks, right? Yep. I would take that up against your friend's best decks. I go, hey, play me against whatever you got, right? Let me just see. And even if you get rolled, right, that shouldn't disqualify the deck at this point, but you should understand that, okay, maybe this is or isn't the, the quality of deck that you want it to be. Yeah, you have to understand that your deck needs to be up against other good decks. right? If you're not up against good decks, then you just don't have good information. And again, all the Vault Tour decks are public, so if you don't have any friends that have monster <laughs> decks, right, or friends, period, um, you can always find someone online that is willing to test with you. And you can say, hey, I want to test this deck Here's a bunch of Vault Tour decks. Just upload them to your Crucible, and let's just run a couple games and see, like, okay, can my deck hand, hang with these big big boy decks? Yeah, shout out to our Discord. I see a lot of people saying, "Hey, I've got this deck I want to test." Does anyone? Uh, we have a we have a we have a channel called Glove Slaps, and you get to challenge people in that. And there is often somebody around to play you. But what mm-hmm. I don't see a lot of is, "Hey, I have this deck. Will somebody boot up this other deck and play it against me?" Right? I want to I want to see more of that from just a community in general. Right? Here's this thing. I want to see if it beats this high bar that I have set for myself. Let's see if it, it can. And then and then from there, you determine does this deck have the 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 quality that I'm looking for in a deck? And you pull the trigger. You get it. You put it in your roster. And now maybe you bring it to chainbound events. Maybe you play it against your opponent's other good decks. Maybe it goes into your into your gauntlet of, uh, hey, these are this is my Tesmo lock deck. You have to see if your if your deck is good. It's got to be able to beat the lock deck, right? Mm-hmm. It's important to have like a gauntlet of decks for for efficient testing for vault tours. Which, Kirmo, tell me how you test for vault tours. Yeah. So um, for testing for vault tours, and this really extends to testing for any card game. Uh, I have like kind of a four-step process. So step one is you don't test decks you're not going to play. Um, and you also only test one deck at a time. So the way this works is um, a lot of people make the mistake of trying to test everything. Now, again, this works if you're going to play hundreds of games. Like if, you're, if you're willing to play hundreds of games before an event, great. Test every deck you have. Test against everything. Like, sure, but... Like, yeah. And assuming those hundreds of games, you're actually getting good quality yeah, yeah, data yeah. out of, and not just picking and choosing, I won with this deck, this deck high rolled, it seems great, it feels yeah. great. No, if you're playing hundreds of games, please don't dilute your, your, sample, your sample testing. 
Yeah, but provided that you're strapped for time, maybe you play other games, uh, maybe you have other life commitments, then you have to pick your spots. And the best way to do this is you have to limit your testing pool to decks you'll actually play. Um, and the idea here is that if I pick a deck and it passes all the steps of the testing, I don't play any of the other decks. Like the testing is done at that point. And, and that, that is an important thing for players to do because if you go into the testing not believing in the deck, that's going to lead to you just wasting time testing other decks. And we'll explain later why it's important to stick with just the one deck. But uh, yeah, so that's step one. Step one is you can you can do this either by like you can have a collection of decks like maybe you say here i'm going to sort my collection into decks that are good versus decks that are bad and only pick from the very very best ones or maybe you're scouting a deck online that has all of the features that you've been looking for in a deck in any case it's the same difference though it's like the deck you're testing you intend to play if it passes all the tests yeah and and really this this is kind of like a just a a smell test just a general um is this the type of thing I want to play? And the other thing that that I don't think you mentioned was, is it the is it the deck that you think is good? Is it the the, the, mm-hmm. the archetype you think is good? Uh, I might have a dozen good decks, and they might all be in my pool. But I think I really want to play a hard amber control uh, deck at this tournament. I might want to play a battle fleet combo deck, and I have yeah. four of them that I'm looking at. I only own one, and there's three of them online for sale, and I don't want to spend a whole lot of money. Yep. So you have. A type of deck you want to play and you you have one uh, you have an idea of which ones you want to play and the first thing to do is figure out is that the right choice right this is talking about the meta this is talking about the card pool things that you're expecting to see things that you're expecting to fight things that you think you can beat you have to start your your deck testing with that narrow field of vision yeah and, and again this just comes back to being efficient right like there's there's really no point in testing multiple decks because you're only going to be able to play one and like those decks, it may not work. So you have to go into it expecting, like there's no right or wrong answer to the, t- the deck you choose to test, but you have to be committed to playing that deck if it works. Uh, but now let's jump into step two. So step two of the deck is whatever deck you're playing, there has to be intention behind what you're playing, right? There is a, either a specific deck or a subset of decks that you expect your deck to be able to beat. So in that scenario, uh, what I would say is to test specifically against those decks. Test against the decks you think your deck is able to beat and see if you win at a very high percent. Um, Because if you can't do that, there's no point in playing the deck. Right. And again, we're trying to test efficiently. It's not even about winning at a high percent, but as much as uh, you do want to win at a high percent, but also you want to succeed. Your deck wants to execute its plan at a high percent. If you have a board control deck, you want to build a board in every game of your testing against the target decks, maybe the racing decks without a lot of board control. Yeah, and the mistake people make here is they'll just test their decks against anything. Like, they'll just go on to the Crucible and they'll just play against first come, first serve. And again, this is fine if you're going to play hundreds of games. This is not fine if you're only going to play a dozen. So if you need to pick your spots, I don't care if your deck beats a deck you're not going to play at the Vault Tour. I don't care if your deck loses against decks it's meant to lose against. I care if your deck can beat the decks it's supposed to beat. That That's really what matters. So you run your deck against decks that you, ex- that you expect to play against and you expect to beat and see if you can do that. And if you can do that at a very high percentage, the deck stays alive. If the deck can't do that, it's done. High, high percentage of success 
good win rate, but also uh, consistency. This isn't. This mm-hmm. is not. Well, maybe we're playing. Um, amongst these steps, amongst uh, I think steps two and three, you're playing maybe 10, 15 games, right? Maximum. You're just trying to get an idea that your deck is doing what it's supposed to. Yeah, and to be clear, yeah, to, the high percentage is not a win-loss percentage. It's like, does your deck take control at a high percent? Like, I don't care if like your deck does everything it needs to do, and then your opponent draws a nuts and then pulls off a miracle win. Or your deck doesn't do what it's supposed to do, but then your opponent was dumb, and then you pulled off the win anyways because they're just a bad player. That doesn't matter. What matters is, against the decks that you need to be able to beat, does your deck see the cards it needs to see, and then work well? Uh, So now step three. So step three in this process is, this is where you test weaknesses. So you've already committed to playing this deck if it passes a test you've already seen that it beats a dex it intends to beat. Now you need to run it up against your weaknesses. And what you do is you say, okay, what are the things I'm afraid of? And you run your deck against that. And what you want to see in this is, is this a hopeless matchup? Or is this a just unfavorable? Yeah, like, what's what's actually beating you? There, there are a lot of times, is it a card or an archetype that's beating you? If you lose to racing decks, that's bad. If you mm-hmm. do badly against racing decks and it's just a rough game, and maybe you lose against board state uh, based racing decks, but not against uh, amber based racing decks, then you're fine, right? Mm-hmm. We're just talking about uh, how how bad are the losses in, in certain subsets, right? You should be losing these games and they might be close, and you're trying to find out, do I actually have the tools? Maybe that EMP Blast that I have is actually not only good against the artifacts, but good against Logos because it stuns robots. I don't know. These are things just you're trying to figure out uh, how bad are these losses. Yeah, and then furthermore, so you, you need to figure out how bad you're unfavored, and then also then guesstimate how likely you are to see this in the tournament. Right, so like as Kodamer just mentioned, if your deck is bad against racing decks, that's a problem because racing decks are everywhere. If your deck is bad against a combo deck, that's not that big of a deal because you're playing maybe one combo deck the entire game. Realistically, you're playing zero. So even if it's unwinnable, that, that's not that big of a deal. Yeah, I think I think a snapshot of right now is if you're afraid of, pl- of losing against a grump buggy deck because you have zero guys over level five, that's probably going to be fine. You're probably not going to play against a Grump Buggy deck mm-hmm. in an Archon tournament, you know, in August of 2019. I don't know. But um, if you lose to creatures that have five power, that's a different story, right? That's a board state deck, and they're going to reap all over the place. And if you can't deal with that, then maybe in a different meta, that's a lot worse. Maybe right now, that's okay. What's your What's your read on the meta? Right. If you think that it's a low mm-hmm. percentage, then maybe you still play that deck. If you have a couple tools around it, you have a gateway maybe, maybe you still play. Exactly. So th- this leads into step four. So we've already committed to a deck if it passes the test. We've already seen it beats the things it needs to beat. And we've already seen that the weaknesses is something that can be more or less mitigated, either through the matchup itself or through the meta. Uh, now step four is refinement. So what you do from here is you just try to get as many games in it as you reasonably can with the deck, um, but you're never moving off of it. Yeah. Step four is you're committed. The, the, mm-hmm. the, the real steps are steps one through, through three. Surprise, you're in. 
You've picked your yep. deck, you've taken your eyes off of the other decks, and this is now when you're trying to figure out, okay, what little things can I figure out? And from this point, you can play as many games as you want, you can play them, you can drill them, you can play them slow, you can play them fast. Mm -hmm. Maybe you hit step four on the night before the tournament. Right? That happens all the time. Yep. Especially in other card games when you're, like, building stuff. Yep. Um, but uh, the idea is, at this point, you're, you're stuck with it, you're committing to it, and you're trying to figure out, okay, what little advantages can I get? And this is when you're actually getting good with the deck, right? Yep. You're refining your own player skill as well. Yeah, this is also where playing random games in the Crucible is actually good in Step 4. Because at this point, if you're up against, like, really weird decks that you're not used to, you can see how your deck reacts to that. Um, you can also just have more opportunities to see different combos. Um, I would, particularly if you can, if there's a matchup that's difficult for you or you don't know what to do, I'd run that specific matchup as many times as I could. Because again, we're, we're operating on the assumption that you have limited time. But um, that's what the refinement's for. Like The refinement is like once you've already decided you're playing this, you just want to get as many reps in as you reasonably can, just so that way you can incrementally increase your skill. Yeah, you know your lines, you know your deck's tools, you know that if they come out with this thing, you have to respond to it with this thing. Can I let them have the first key? How many tools do I actually have to stop them? Will this jumble live? Little stuff, right? Yeah. Um, yep. But uh, a couple things I just wanted to harp on. Limited time, how many games should you be playing before you decide in a deck in this limited testing structure? I think in steps two and three, 10, 15 games, 20 games is too many games, right? Yeah, you should be playing decks. You should be pl uh, playing games, playing them rather quickly, rather focused uh, against specific things. That's the whole point, right? You're getting simple, uh, good results quickly. You're getting a lot of knowledge quickly. Yeah. And also, let, let's uh, let's jump into Elitist Corner for a little bit. So, if I play a deck, like let's say my deck is meant to beat racing decks, right? And I play against and I play a racing matchup five times. If I can't figure out after five games that my deck can beat racing decks, I have a whole lot of other questions I need to ask myself. And it's not, is this deck the deck I'm bringing to the Vault Tour? Uh, similarly, if my deck has problems against artifacts control, right? Um, and I play like three or four games against artifact control, and I can't figure out if my deck can mitigate that or not. Again, I have much bigger problems that I need to sort out. Yeah, what we're saying is it's not that, like, if you lose to Artifact Control four times and you're asking yourself, uh, should I, is this actually a losable matchup? Like, that's not the question. You're asking yourself, do I have the knowledge as a player to make these decisions? Do I actually have a good understanding of the meta? Or am I just guessing, right? The, mm. Remember, the Crucible is not indicative of the meta, right? Yeah, and to be fair, there's a lot of players who their, their method of testing in this game particularly but I've seen it in other games too is they'll just test all the decks and they'll test them over and over and over again and they don't have like an applied methodology for how they test things and they'll just say hey look I played this deck 400 times and it has an 86% win rate I guess it's good I'll play that and you can do that too right like trial and error works in every single field that's ever existed but you know not everyone has the time to do the necessary trial and error to solve all the problems and that's what this episode's about it's about cutting down that time significantly and when we're playing the way we cut down that time is we are looking for certain things we are looking we have a theory we are looking for that theory to either come true or not 
right? Does this deck do what it wants to do? Does this deck beat this deck? How bad is this loss? Remember, you don't have to play a full game of Keyforge to get that answer, right? Mm -hmm. If you get out to a huge lead, you're two keys ahead, your opponent hasn't even made a board yet, I would just scoop up that game and play again. Great, you did it. Play another game. I would rather play two half games where I know something and I learn something than one full game that kind of, you know, piddles along and then you don't win the game and uh, yeah. whatever. And and also, like, bringing behind the curtain, um, for every game I've ever played, when it comes to testing, I literally never finish games. Like, I will play games up until the point where one player has a clear advantage and then the game's done. And, and like, the, like, there's no point in going. Like, big, you already know if the deck does what it needs to do. A big reason behind that is you'll see a lot of comebacks and a lot of these super going to time games if you're if you're not in like the in the top cut of a, of a tournament game but in a lot of like the swiss games there's yeah. a lot of crazy stuff that happens in the last turns uh little things wild wormhole into miasma nonsense key of darkness that actually hits we don't care about that in testing no miracle yeah. games count right that's what t that's what step four is that's refinement that's saying okay if things go bad i have a key abduction there is an out you learn mm -hmm. about those out okay i can drumble i can kill it with the gongoozle and then i can arise and drumble again you learn these things in step four in refinement in combos in player skill yeah you don't learn that in testing and deciding if the deck is good you don't learn that in deciding if the deck is something you should buy you learn that yeah. later once you're getting to know it exactly uh so i think i think that about wraps up this episode um so if you want to learn more about us we have a facebook and we have a twitter we are at death Quark for either one of them uh via either one of our social medias you can find an invite to our discord channel that is the easiest way to contact either myself or codameron um if you want to see more content from bdq codameron has his own youtube channel where he does a lot of streams and also does coverage of the vault tour events and then lastly if you want to represent a bdq in your everyday life we have our own online store so you can find that via the swag section of our discord channel and there you can find links to buy branded shirts you can find jackets hoodies um bags all sorts of good stuff that have our logo on it so check that out uh tell your friends about the show and we'll see you next time thanks a bunch <laughs>